Chapter 8. Are We Downhearted? Are we downhearted? A group called. Another group answered, no. The first group called again, shall we come again? The answer came back, yes. Tasmanian soldiers on the boat from Burnie to Melbourne often kept up their courage in this way. The boat had to travel without lights or using radio as a German warboat lurked in the vicinity. The courage of the soldiers on board that boat from Burnie to Melbourne reminded Harold of the greater cause in which he was involved. Many of the soldiers on board never returned to their home state, sacrificing their lives on the Western Front. Those who survived went through hell on earth. If men could do this for their king and country, how much more Harold's lord and master deserved every sacrifice made in his cause. After a brief time in Melbourne, the family sailed from Melbourne to Adelaide, South Australia. Sister Todd, the wife of the conference secretary, and her daughter Ethel met them and took them to their place to stay until they found a place to live. The family moved into a place vacated by the Westermans in Baldwin Road, Prospect. The church, with the church school at its rear, was in the same street. Harold's sister Laura was nursing at Matron Clapp Sanitarium a couple of streets away. Harold found Adelaide a difficult place in which to work. Adelaide is known as the City of Churches, having acquired this label because of its religious vitality and its numerous churches. But in 1916, religious tolerance in Australia was fraying and Adelaide was facing exceptional challenges in this regard. The military conscription referendum in Australia in 1916 resulted in a slight win to the no vote, with Dr Daniel Mannix, the Catholic Archbishop of Melbourne, one of the most prominent anti-conscription activists in that campaign. Australia was polarised and sectarian feelings were running unusually high. Also, anti-German feeling was particularly strong in Adelaide, which had a sizeable population of German Australians. Thousands of German Australians were detained in internment camps, the majority of whom were held in South Australia. As German Australians made up about 10% of South Australia's population, normally tolerant Adelaide was a troubled place. Ironically so, because the many religious refugees from Germany who flocked to South Australia in the 19th century found a refuge there. The religious undercurrent that Harold found there was in contrast with the attractiveness of the city. Established in 1836 as the planned capital of the free British settlement of South Australia, Adelaide was a beautiful city with wide streets and large public squares surrounded by parkland. The picturesque Torrens River ran through the city. Harold busied himself with work and establishing a vegetable garden at home. He planted tomatoes in the small strip of garden in front of the house and staked them. They produced a heavy crop. He also grew pumpkins in the backyard. The vine covered the fence and one pumpkin was so heavy it was amazing that it did not fall off the vine. Pastor Lemke, the conference president, lived a few streets away and had a big fig tree in his yard with large purple fruit. He shared the figs with Harold. Harold was soon asked to go to Angerston in the Barossa Valley to run a mission there. Angerston and District lies to the northeast of Adelaide 
and its population was largely German Australians. The early name of Angerston was German Valley. The family lived in an old post office building with the post office section used as the hall. A lady lived in a separate flat to the side of the building, which was cold and damp. From the back fence, the children were able to see the train engines go onto the big turntable before returning to Adelaide. Laura and Winifred attended school there, but did not enjoy the experience. Some children threw stones at them and called them names. Brother O. Hellestrand assisted in the mission. He and his wife and daughter came to live not far from the hall. The Zoinet, Rowanfelt, Rathale and Backhouse families came from nearby Nuriupta to support the mission. Harold had his evangelistic sermons printed in the local paper to help get his message to the people. The children loved to visit the homes of other church members where they could slide off the shed roof onto the haystack. After Angerston, the family moved to Bury on the Murray River near the Victorian border. They spent the summer of 1917-1918 there. There was no accommodation available except the hotel. Harold and Will Chapman, his assistant, pitched the big tent on a corner block and two small tents beside it in which the family lived. Will Chapman lived in a petitioned off section at the back of the big tent. The horse spent much of its time in the shade of the lone gum tree in the far corner of the block. Harold and Will went to their only neighbours, who lived in a brick house on the hill, to bring back water. The water that was not used for drinking and cooking and watering the horse was put in a galvanised bathtub and left in the sun. It became the source of hot water for washing dishes and clothes and for bathing. For much of the time, the temperature was in excess of 100 degrees Fahrenheit or more than 40 degrees centigrade. It was so hot that water was carted from the river to throw over the tents to cool them down. All cooking was done on a primus stove. A homemade Coolgardie safe kept food cool. It was made of hessian on all sides and a large tin dish. The size and shape of the top was filled with water. Pieces of grey flannel were placed in the water and overlapped the sides, creating a cooling effect. The feet of the safe were placed in jam tins, half filled with water to keep the ants out. Mosquito nets were put in place before sundown. Before morning, ants streamed up to the blood spots on the tents where mosquitoes were swatted. The ground was so hot that it was impossible to walk on in bare feet. It was a particularly difficult time for Anne, who was expecting another baby in March 1918. There was a small empty shop opposite the tents and down the street towards the river was a small tin post office store. Near the river was a hotel, close to where the paddle steamer stopped. During the mission, Harold and Will drove out to see the orchardists, many of whom lived in makeshift houses made of timber uprights but walls of bagging or hessian painted with lime and whitewashed. They were usually lined with newspaper, which was glued to the hessian. It was harvest time, and the lovely peaches and apricots were split and sun-dried on wire netting. Harold took Laura and Winifred to help split fruit on several occasions. The children were permitted to eat fruit that was too ripe to split. The family's last night in Berry was spent sleeping in the open. 
The hotel put beds outside for them. It was bright moonlight and the mosquitoes were terrible. The next day the family caught the paddle steamer and sailed to Renmark. That night the paddle steamer left Renmark for Adelaide. It was a slow, meandering journey as the steamer navigated around sandbanks. Harold moved his family into a little weatherboard house in Wakefield Street, Kent Town. At the end of the street was a big park and on the other side of the park was the Adelaide Zoo. The house was close to the road. Every night a man came and walked up and down the street with a long taper to light the gas street lights. The backyard was small. A grapevine covered the trellis over the path to the shed at the rear of the yard and there was an old well near the back door of the house. When all the children were sick with diphtheria, Anne had a difficult time caring for them. Not long after the family moved in, Anne gave birth at home to Phyllis Evelyn on March 13, 1918, attended by a doctor and a midwife who had come from Bury with the family. The midwife was a new convert. Laura, Winifred and Stanford experienced some hostility at school from other students. The war in Europe continued and religious tensions remained high in Adelaide. Harold decided to conduct lunchtime meetings at the Islington Railway Workshops in North Adelaide. It was a decision that led to one of the most memorable experiences of his life.